0: If you are blessed, give me an amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles this morning to declare the glory of the Lord. Again, let me remind us, many of the things we do here, my desire is I will make them into habits. We'll make them into what? Habits. habits. Every day, read out something loud concerning the glory of the Lord. The Lord is good. Let's do First Samuel chapter 2. We we'll read about nine verses from verse two, one Samuel, like some we say it, chapter two. This was Hannah, with the spirit of God upon her, giving praise to the Lord. Used to sing one song those days.
1: There is none holy like. The Lord, there is none besides him, neither is there any rock like our God. There is none holy as the Lord, holy as the Lord. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none besides Him. Neither is there any rock like our God. There is none. The Lord. Hallelujah. This is where it was taken from. Can we read it together, therefore? From verse
0: 2, 1 to let's go. There is none holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Boast no more so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge. And with him actions are weighed, the bows of the mighty are shattered, but the feeble guard on strength. Those who were full hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven. But he who she who has many children languishes. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to shoal and raises up. The Lord takes power and rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He leaves the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with nobles, and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the earth on them. He gives the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. But not by might shall a man prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Let's read that again. He said those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Say amen to that.
1: Amen.
0: Let's read that again. Everybody read together. One, want to let's go. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Again. Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Go on. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and will exalt the horn of his anointed. Heavenly Father, we give you praise this morning. This morning again we have come because we know who you are. Thank you for making us know who you are. Lord Jesus, we've come to worship you. We've come to lay our lives down before you. Thank you for making us know who you are. Our savior, our redeemer, our coming king, we give you praise. From you this morning, heavenly Father, we receive insight. We open our hearts to receive understanding. Amen. We open our hearts to receive divine wisdom. Amen. Therefore, we declare as follows, now that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word.
1: The Word is entering my heart.
0: It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said, Amen. "Amen." All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Once again, good morning, everybody. All right, let's start from First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one, the first epistle, around verse thirteen. Just want to have a lengthy read, like um, David Paulson would say. That likes reading the Bible plenty at the beginning of his teachings. You know why? So that if he doesn't say any other thing, you will have been blessed. <laughs> and, that, and before he spoils everything, let him give you the pure word of God. That, that way nothing not too many things can go wrong. <laughs> so let me follow that spirit this morning and I read quite a lengthy portion. Right from verse 13 all the way to verse twenty three. Said so therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please, I need to read that again. He said, prepare your minds for action. He said, keep sober in spirit or exercise self-control. Fix your hope completely, not partially, completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, like we are discussing here yesterday, people were, were discussing about what, about what about when you pray, you, you believed you believed God, and then things didn't work out the way you were requesting of the Lord. I should, and one of the answers that kept coming was, see, the real hope is Christ Jesus. That one can never be disappointed. And Peter is telling us, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. One major problem we have in today's Christianity is that we, the preachers, we have, without realizing it, subtly turned the hope of people to what God will do for them in this life. Go ahead and check it you see what I'm saying. We preach more about what God does now. Not what he will do in eternity or what the end of all of this that we can see would be. We don't teach people to go into the temple and behold the end of a matter. We still say silly things like, you see pastors after they start backsliding in their teaching. Japan doesn't go to church. They are developed. I see development is the aim of all of these things we are doing. If development was the aim of everything, I hope you know there were more established cities and countries than the one that Jacob lived in in the wilderness. Jacob, in case you don't know, was essentially a nomad. Yes, he was. These were men who lived in tents, the hope of eternity, as God revealed it to them, was too strong for them to be eager to build established settlements on the earth. They were content with living in tents. Abraham grew up in a developed city. Archaeological findings show that or, whichever we want to describe. Well, uh, that place he came out from. Spelled U and R. Uh-huh. They had story buildings and pipe-born water when Abraham lived there. Yet God called him to leave everything behind. And then he began to live in the wilderness. Or well, not desert, alright, but grasslands, stuff like that. Intense. Moving from one place to another. Egypt was developed when God called his son out of Egypt. He said, Israel is my firstborn, is my son, is my firstborn. Let him go so he may serve me. Serving God is more important than the circumstances around you. Whatever you want to do in life, make your primary goal, serving God. I hope you're getting my point. If you want to make decisions, don't make stupid decisions, because the decision is made based on how comfortable will I be. I'll be where I'm going. The more important thing is that, can I serve God? Let my son go that he may enjoy his life," was that what he said. Answer me like you believe the scriptures. Of course not. What did he say? Let my son go, that he may serve me. Please, I'm not here to talk contemporary issues much, this morning, but it always drops into my messages. One day one brother asked another one, how are you coping in that country? Now, That is somebody who used to believe in any good together. A young man, you know. Those who come to kingdom world, you know, young guys. How are you coping in that country? So that one reported to me. And he gave me the answer that he gave him. So said, the same God that is keeping you there, is keeping us here. That was a jab. Uh, if you have discerning eyes, that was a jab. He was telling the man that apparently God is not the one keeping you there. That's why you can open your stupid mouth and ask me, how am I coping? Talk to some of my classmates who will say, are your country? He said, if you get to sinner Climbs. I said, sinner Climb, Where? A woman is sorry, children are no longer breastfed, they are chest fed. That is the official terminology of the British medical, you know, whatever it is, regulations. You don't breastfeed anymore, you chest feed. Why? Some of the chest feeders are men. Yes, because you don't call somebody a mother anymore, you call them the birthing partner. Because two clowns come and say they are married. You don't know which one is the man or the woman, and you dare not ask. So now say, who's planning to have the baby? Say you. So you are written as birthing partner. There's no husband, there's no wife, there's no father, there's no mother, it's partner one and partner two. Then you open your mouth and ask me, How am I coping? I should be asking you, how are you coping? Because I may have problems with bandits. I may have problems with devaluation of the naira, I may have problems with fire price going up. But at least, I don't have any problem identifying who the women around me are. That's a problem I don't have. I don't have problems explaining to my children. They don't have any confusion. They don't have to learn any special language when they are going to school. Once they see their headmistress, they know it is ma. When they see their class teacher, they know he is sir. I don't have to tell them anything. They know, (laughs) my girl knows she's a girl. It's not to be discussed. If you bring up that issue, I cast the demons out of you. That is an issue for discussion. My boys all know they are boys. They cannot tell me they were born in the wrong body. I will tell you, you were not there when you were born. So how can you tell me you were born in the wrong body? I mean, do you, know, do you get what I'm saying? You didn't know anything? The arrangement of giving birth to you involved just about, okay, let's just count four people. The most important person, God in heaven. Then your mother, me, your father. And then the midwife or middoctor, whatever the person who attended the birth is called, and we told you you're a boy. You know how? We have seen you anatomy. This is what they call boys in heaven. I know, there's no discussion. Are you asking me, how am I coping? You know why you ask such things? It depends on what matters to you. Power failure doesn't kill me. I don't have a problem with it. God will give me a battery for my inverter. And give me a solar panel, if necessary. Or give me fuel for the generator. Or carburetor to make it gas. One way or the other, we keep trucking. Please go and read my little sermon, keep talking. So please, nobody should come and tell me nonsense talk. Ask yourself, how am I serving God? That's what I'm saying. Ask yourself, how am I serving God? Let my son go that he may serve me. Sometimes, God has found it wise. In his wisdom, he says, Abraham, go and serve me in the wilderness. He says to John, go and serve me in the wilderness. That is modern wilderness of that time, when they already had developed cities. You leave the center of the cities, go and serve me in the wilderness. And John went there, and everybody went to look for him. And he preached to them, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he gave them a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And rich men came for baptism. Yet, John did not change his clothing, he did not agree for anybody to dress him up. I don't think he had the best of hygiene. Are you getting my point? He wasn't using any deal perfume. Yet, everybody and kings felt threatened by his words. Everybody went to meet him in the wilderness. Where he was serving God. I'm not saying you must go to the wilderness. Because Jesus came. He sojourned in the wilderness for a short while. Personal retreat. Then he came came to the city. Then went from the city to towns and villages. Teaching the word of God. And healing the sick. He was serving. And then one day. The height of service for him. The real reason he came. Was to lay his life down for the salvation of mankind. It was not they were living to be 120 years old. So John 30, they beheaded him, Jesus, 33 thereabout, they took him to the cross and crucified him. and he pleased the Father. Ask yourself when you are making decisions. How am I serving? How am I going to serve? Don't forget that too. Every decision. Is it work? Get the employment? Think about it. Is it getting married? Think about it. Sit down and consider, okay, how is this, the decisions I'm making concerning this marriage, how is it the service of God? That's not a joke. Oh. Now, serving God doesn't mean <laughs> running up and down Carrying Bible and sharing tracts. That's one way. I'm not saying it's not. It's one way you can serve God like that. Serving God is not only about standing up. You are the bishop and founder of Dingwoke Ministries. And everybody because you daddy. Your daddy, my daddy. Your prophet, my prophet. That's the way. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. It's just one way. It doesn't have to be like that. There are different ways, different people saved or save God. I hope you're getting my point. But the most important one that is common to everybody is called. I had to pause in Romans chapter 12. I employ. Give me that scripture now. Give, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer yourselves, your bodies as what? Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of worship. And I said, don't be conformed. That's where I was going, to this world. But be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. What is mind? How you interpret things. How you see life. What the things you see say to you. These things I'm saying, what are they saying to me? Because different people will see the same things. And what they hear or see or decode from the things that they are seeing is different or they are different. So primary service of God is to start seeing things the way God sees things. To start making decisions the way he makes decisions. To start loving what he loves and hating what he hates. To start calling good what he calls good and calling bad what he calls bad. Not how you feel. That is, this thing is bad. How do you know it's bad? Romans chapter 1, verse 6. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. Now, please, I'm just picking this scripture. Don't go and open it and say, what is there? <laughs> I'm just picking something arbitrarily, okay? <laughs> that is, I see you, and you're looking sad. He said, why are you looking sad? He so he says, mourn with those who mourn. Somebody just lost their parents. One of the parents. Oh, because I know you're normally a happy person. Yes, I'm obeying scriptures right now. I'm mourning with those. That mourn, okay? Are you in the mourning mood? It doesn't matter. The Bible says what? Mourn with those. That mourn. I hope I get my point. You know those early days when we first married. My wife said, you know, my wife said like. No, you go and marry people like me. Be careful when you marry people like me because we get, we get our own personal problems, okay? So I didn't know why people go to restaurants to eat if you have food in your house. And sometimes maybe you, you learn to manage money, so you didn't understand all of this. Maybe that's why I don't know. I'm just saying. So one of those days, so, now nah, don't marry. My wife said, I know they carry am going. Okay, come, let us go. So now I say, all right, maybe Saturday we are going. My friend's father now died on Thursday. It's not like it was good for me, all right, just that I told my wife. I said, sorry, we have to cancel the outing. She was like, why? I said, this guy's father just died the day before yesterday. Mourn with those that mourn. I can't carry you now. Go and sit down, order this, order that. When our good friend, his father just passed on. You see what I'm talking about, serving God? Just everything based on scriptures. Taking the scriptures to make every decision. Little, great. So you can serve God in your choice of a marriage partner. Who you're going to marry. You can serve God in your choice of where you're going to walk. You can serve God. Not you can You should. You must be serving God in how you make every single decision in life. Let my son go. That he may serve me. Pastor Okimudi, told of one of his friends. All right? Like everybody else, he sent them for NYS. He was sent to the north somewhere, middle belt, northeast, You know, the northern part of the middle, the lower part of the north, north. You know, that kind of thing. And then, he served in a village, where a, rural, a bit of a rural area. One of those local governments, you know, inside, inside, high mountain bush. And he now heard the call of God. No matter what you finish serving, what do you do? You bolt, at least. You have done the one year that they said it's compulsory. You bolt back towards the civilization. Like people will say to Pastor Corey once in a while, are you still in Sokoto? He says he feels insulted. Have I ever asked whether you are still in Lagos? Have I ever asked you whether you are still in New York? Why is Sokoto supposed to be transitory for me? Why should it be a transient point? Think me and you are facing, maybe apparently we are not believing the same God and we don't believe in divine assignment. Somebody actually told him, you can still do ministry in Abuja. Listen to me, it's a lie. Ministry is geographically tied. You are sent somewhere. I'm not doing ministry in Enugu because Enugu is nice to do ministry. I felt, you can argue whether I'm right or wrong, but at least one thing is certain. And I told my wife that even before we married. I said, wherever we go, after I finish my residency in Lagos, for certain reasons I won't go into that, Now I, I felt that was what the Spirit was saying. is where you are going to start ministry. So as soon as we entered Enugu, started making plans for Kingdom World Ministries. Came to Enugu in the year 2000. By 2001, I think, went for local for 2001 or 2002, and I called Hmm? You were there. <laughs> when I called him the papa of. Eh? Okay. <laughs> anyway, he says that now. But shortly after. But when I went to be ordained, what they call ordination, I don't have a certificate. But when I called my brethren, separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then we began thinking of, it was it was earnest. Well I didn't come to Enugu to relax, I came to Enugu to work. And the primary work for me was this. So we started writing tracks, I started publishing books, I tried to do <laughs> I like to tell that story once in a while. Went to one guest house. I had a hall in New Haven. That woman has no principles. The woman that ran the place. But anyway, it was God using her, her bad behavior to teach me a lesson. We spent money, and the last day of. So, so, so uh, do ministry. let me just tell you. If you want to start ministry with a bank, you go and call. Uh, who's dragging crowd now? in Christian uh, musicians. Who did they use to pull crowd now? Oh, Mercy. Mercy you. They used her to pull crowd. They're Christian. Praise person. Be careful before they tell you to entertainer. That's a very careful. Ah, and for information, entertainment makes a lot of money. Singing praise for God. Now normal money you will get. You know they call normal money. Okay, let's not talk about money, normal money. If want to get entertainment, makes big money. Anyway, let's not let's not, Oh, let's not go into that. Let's just continue our message. So if you want to go and carry somebody, you want to start ministry with a bang, the town will shake. <laughs> Maybe it can happen, Sha. Yeah? Maybe it will happen for you. Did it happen for me? First program we did, told 20, 20 many times. Instead of me to even have small sense and do one day program, I went and did three days. I don't know what was my problem. Zeal. Okay, thank you. Without knowledge. <laughs> That's the last day. I have a friend that's a faithful friend. That guy is not just a friend, he's a brother. Thank God for his brotherly heart. Otherwise, the last day of the program, should have only been my wife and I. Because with a brotherly heart, in fact, he traveled to somewhere for a funeral. As soon as he came, he dropped his wife at home. Please, bank his program. He ran there and he was the only person that came. That's if you don't count my wife, who has no choice? Whatever God has joined together, no way you are going. You are following me. So if you don't count, anyway, that was one person because the Bible says, "Look to Abraham." And then Sarah, I called him a so the Two of us were one that came. So my friend was the only other person apart from one, me and my wife. And so we take start. After that one, I borrowed sense. Ministry like this is not good. It's too expensive i quickly go rent one small Hey, that one. And we're like two or three like that for a long time. Whatever they say. But the primary thing for us was what? We came to town to do what? To save the Lord. In the area of ministry. So I was talking about the young man. He felt called of God to stay back in the rural, dangerous. Those are the areas you read. it's, they're always in the news. Headers he- he killed. Five people, those ones they're they very troublesome they say they go back kill ten headers that's how they do, so Some say, eh. they come back kill ten people they just be killing. one they are supposed to go out and preach in just as they go, they declare coffee why Remember, killed so those people you know they get some kind fight with these some people, so nobody should tell you that it's only they the, the fight oh. in that area, what happened that time was that a boss carrying some food, I said they went for Islamic pilgrimage. Yeah. They were stopped by some of those local, you know, the boys of those areas. And they killed everybody inside the bus. They say that you are lying. You're not going for any pilgrimage. You are spies that came to spy out, spy out our land. Yeah. You didn't read about it that time? was in the news? So those ones came back. It was terrible at that time. One military man, general, going. They killed him and buried the car inside the ditch. Him and car and everybody. So the other people came and armed. And came. Wiped out the village. So the thing was going, Government said, the only thing we can do? Declare coffee. And I was supposed to go and preach. And my guest, my host said, he's calling all his guests one by one. If you want to come. But I'm not canceling my meeting. So we went. My wife and I went. Our flight landed after coffee had kicked in. Anyway, that's another story. The Lord is good. That is where this young man said he's not coming back. Why? Because he felt that's where God, God said he should serve. That my brother who I said is a faithful friend. He used to say, if anybody like that tells God, said he should stay there. He says it's God. He said because nobody else can call a rational human being, To stay in such a place. You tell this man, say he's called. He said, believe him. He said, because I've been to the place where he says he's called to. There's no other thing that can call anybody there. (laughs) The Lord is good. But what is the emphasis? The man said, I must serve. God called me to do what? To serve. When we are making choices, that's the point I'm making. Everything must be made, every choice must be made to please God. That's how you serve him. Not to please yourself. Can I say something? Because you see, Christians sometimes, I've seen a lot of times, there's something that um, <laughs> Chuck told me one time, which I keep quoting once in a while. I finished preaching some things, and then they came and met me. He said, Pastor, these things you are saying, he said, thank you very much, O. He said, we never did them before. I was saying something people should do. He said, not because we were wicked. He said, but because we did not know. Did you hear that? He said, we're not doing them, not because we're wicked. He said, we didn't know. I never forgot that statement. So since that time, I've been careful to tell Christians some things that I would have should have been obvious. Because many times people don't know. So they don't do what is right. Never give your children as an excuse for not serving God. You bring a curse upon them. Settle down and dis- decide what is serving God. Everything in your life must be circumcised. Otherwise you die. Did you said? God looked at Moses like after commissioning him to ministry. He came to destroy him. Why? He didn't circumcise his son. Someone talking about learning from Moses that time. I explained it. Go and check that series. Learning from Moses. I can't remember the very one, but if you go through it, in fact, listen to all of them. He yeah, are talking about the survival and the death of Moses. About four messages of five within that series. I explained it. You have to circumcise because people make decisions all the time and they use children as an excuse. Stop that. I mean, it's not right. May I not have children? that will not serve God. Yes, that's the most important thing. I told my, they are, my children, they are all big enough to hear the truth. If I say this, some people are like, ah, dear, I said everybody was looking like pastor. Are you okay? I said it will never go well with you if you don't serve the Lord. He a blessing. Huh? Some of the a blessing. Do I want you to prosper until you become an Amubu? You no know one called Amubu. Until you are high perpetually on wee we that's the kind of prosperity that you get when you are not serving. Because peace in the midst of prosperity only comes from serving God. That's a matter of fact. The prodigal son, what made him mad? He wasn't willing to serve the father, he wanted to prosper. Is that not in your scriptures? The brother said, All these days I have served you and never transgressed any of your commandments. That's where true prosperity lies. I don't want you to say, "So this musician is making half a million dollars one night, one show." Yet you have no self-control. Don't you read them in the newspapers? The other guy, how much is his own is how much? Is it three hundred thousand? And this story is not today. That was last year's gist. Wonder how much they are charging now. Some people are like, ah, my God. I said, what is your God in it? <laughs> as far as the Bible is concerned, that money without self-control is poverty. Yes. If I pay you half a million dollars this time you, you do a show, even if it's only one show a week, at the end of the day, five girls are calling that you are responsible for pregnancy. You are poor. Yes. The Bible says, better is he that rules his spirit, than one that takes a city. If you cannot rule your spirit, it doesn't matter how much money you earn. In case you do not know, the 2 face of those days, the case Daniel of those days was Chris Okotie. He was even younger than them. He was still a student at the University of Nigeria in campus here. Flying for lectures. Yeah. Then get up. Back to Lagos for sure. Lived in federal palace. It's like staying at Nikon Hilton perpetually. He said, but what we did not know, that at night, the greatest desire of his heart would be to open the window of his suite on the top floor, the hotel in the core of where, in Lagos, Desha, and jump out. That for him, this is life. Let me jump out and die. Yet, every time he comes, everybody's jumping. Girls are wanting to touch him. Guys are smiling. They are taking selfie with him. There was no selfie those days anyway, but you know what I'm going to say? Everybody was... What they did not know, many of them, the only reason why they like to come for the show is the only place where they have some peace. Once the quietness returns, the devils come. The devils bring out their fangs and push into their brains. And the confusion of soul and the confusion of spirit starts... And the man wants peace by death. Should anybody want to prosper when you are not serving God? You don't want the prosperity if you are not serving God. But Satan, we, you know, <laughs> you know there are more important things in life than this money. Many of us, because God has given us the peace of God, we don't even appreciate it anymore. I hope you get my point. You wake up in the morning, you have the peace of God. You go out, you have the peace of God. You sleep, you have the peace of God. The Sita will be telling you, see, you don't have the money of man. I call him mammon. <laughs> yes, that's telling you, you don't have the things of this world. Meanwhile, you have the peace of God. Yesterday night, I laid on my bed, and I started giving God thanks of peace. I, just lay, I opened the I was just lying down there. I said, Lord, thank you for Peace. Because my wife was telling me horror stories. <laughs> Tell me the story of a man that once he gets home, peace disappears. So the children and the wife try to have as much peace as possible before Egbon returns. Because once he returns, bye bye to peace. So I'll just thank him, Say, Lord, thank you for peace. Nobody, I'm not bragging of, I mean, I mean, we know it's God we are giving the glory. Nobody is like, hey. Daddy has come. Oh, why did he come back? No, I thank God that if I'm I'm going out, that's when there's trouble. My daughter will be like, you are going out. I say, yes. Why? "Ah, What do you mean why? So you thought I would stay at home because you are on holiday? Want yourself home. (laughs) What am I going to say? Many of us, God has given us the peace that passes all understanding. And the Satan is now coming to steal it by telling you you don't have the money that makes you important in this life. My emphasis on serving. One way you serve God all the time. I hope you're getting my point. is by making choices with the knowledge of his precepts and the things that please him in everything, including the food you eat. And the people you relate with, where you go, where you don't go. Somebody shared a tweet with us yesterday. I had a good laugh. I said, please laugh. Somebody said, how, how much have you saved this year? And somebody replied. They said, I am saved. That's what matters. They're <laughs> asking me how much I have saved this year. When Jesus expressly said, don't lay up treasure on the earth. Nonsense. People have called, have called disobedience to God has been called wise planning. Because this thing you are doing, I told you not to do it. He said, Lord, this is wise planning. He said, God, you know, you said those things in Jerusalem. He've never lived in Enugu. <laughs> that's also no reason. Say, Paul said, be careful for nothing because he never lived in Nigeria. He only lived under Roman op- oppression. That's all. He didn't live in Nigeria, he only lived under Roman op- oppression. Small. We get up in the morning. We we arrange how to disobey God. And we, you see, that's why God's, listen. To God, the name you call something is very important. Now, let me say this again. No, uh, let me even withdraw to God. The way God designed this life, the name you call something is important. It's very crucial. Because the name you call it, Decides your attitude towards it. And the people of this world, they know. Satan knows. So that's why he dropped the word homosexual and changed it to gay. It's deliberate. It's not an accident. It's deliberate. So, what is the sign that we are going to use? Any sacred sign in the Bible? Yes, the rainbow. It's a sign of God's covenant. Take it, make it our own. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. And that's why God had to issue a commandment. "Woe to him that caused good evil and caused evil good. God had to issue a commandment because names are important. He said, don't give a good name to a bad thing. So, you know what we do now? We now look for good things and call it what? Old school. It's subtle. They're telling the children it's not good. Virginity, old school. It's subtle. You just drop it. You drop it. That's how I call bad things cool. Do you follow what I'm to say? You just look for, you know, just take names. You change names. You change it here and there. That's the way we make people disobey God. That's an aside. Taking bad things, giving them good names, then people now adopt them. They not call instead of same-sex marriage, it says marriage equality. When they want to go to push for the legislation, if you say that this is bad, they say you are a bigot. So it's bigotry to say a man can't marry a man; it's an abomination. It says bigotry. Englishman said it: you give a dog a bad name so you can hang it. You have to give it a bad name. Let's take with our message for today. So remember, in everything, you must be serving God. In everything, you must be serving God. Decisions you make, everything must be done so as to please God. He said, let my son go that he may serve me. When you are making decisions, please, especially concerning these children, ask yourself, am I making it easier for them to serve God or to have food to eat? Am I I making it easier for them to serve God? Or to buy a house? Am I making it easier for them to serve God or to drive a good car? As a preacher, what are you focusing people's minds on? Temporal things. If you are serving God, you must have something to show for it. Does God bless people who serve him? Of course he does. Are we allowed to put that in front of the people of God? God forbid. What you do first is important. What is first in front of you is important. It's more important that you teach the people of God how to endure hardship. Because if they know how to endure hardship, hmm, it is hard to scare them with death. They find it easy to stand for righteousness. What's the worst you are going to do? It's not sack. It's not sack. Listen, children of God, you will pass through death, so don't look, listen. You will. Some of you have even passed through. But because you were so focused on the Lord, you didn't know it was death. Said, so do I walk the valley of the shadow of death? It happens. You will pass through a place where death is strong. The influence doesn't mean of shadow. Say, but I will fear no evil. That's what you just bear in mind. You must be ready to walk with God. Nobody should make you look like the only thing God is doing is serving Him, He will prosper you. I went to preach somewhere in Abba one day. Some, one, some people they, they, they invited me.
1: <laughs>
0: one day I went to preach in another church in Abba. My friend is a pastor. When I finished preaching, say <laughs> said, Pastor, why he wants to scatter this church? He was laughing, he wasn't, he wasn't saying in a bad way. Okay? And the kind of things you say is for serious Christians. His wife said, it's very good. <laughs> now, he was just laughing. The other church I went to, also in some <laughs> sometime before that, I was preaching. Somebody, they, at the end of the day, they were trying to tell me that. I should just said, try if I can encourage the people. I'm like, I encourage you. Like, you see, people have sacrificed a lot. They just let them know, know that God will bless them. I said, no. <laughs> it's kind of blessing. Do you want me to be promising people? Because me, I just go there and make it worse. You can serve save God, at the end of the day, they will behead you. Hallelujah. <laughs> and then you will meet Jesus in glory. That's the only thing I can tell you. As, no, what, I'm not allowed to offer you any other thing. See, when you've gotten to that point in life, that is when God can tr- entrust you with anything. Jesus had the largest church largest congregation, everybody following him. He said, it won't change what I'm preaching. So one day he preached something, everybody ran away. He said, good. Some of us pastors lie, lie. I've seen pastors fidget when people are telling the truth on their pulpit. Because people will go away. They won't come again. The pastor is uneasy. Why? A man is preaching the simple truth of God. Yet it's like the congregation will go down in number. Look, pastors, I've been telling you. You See, let me just say something. There's something one pastor said that whatever you compromise to get, you'll eventually lose. Better preach the truth. Let the church shrink in number now, so you know those who are really following God. Not that you are you are it's about pastoring sheep, goats, and wolves. All of them put together. And they are happy. Why? The number is plenty. And those wolves can give. <laughs> Sometimes we make some of these into jokes. Don't crack those jokes. Oh. I used to laugh at them. I don't laugh. In fact, no, different than when I used to laugh. I just used to laugh in a funny way. What kind of funny joke is this one? They said that, Ah, uh ah. They said the meeting was powerful. The meeting was powerful. And he said, another oh, man, I'm going to said, the meeting was powerful. How much was the offering? Save the meeting was powerful. It should reflect in the offering. If it doesn't reflect, the meeting was not powerful. And we will laugh. Even when I say no such things, they are not funny. Meeting being powerful has nothing to do with the offerings. I just want to look. If you are a pastor, stop, count, stop 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 counting number. I see that is why God called you to ministry. Let me not start with pastors again because. They're not the only ones listening to me. Let's talk about to those who are not really in ministry. Let's continue. You know, in Bible reading with you. Which verse with they? I was you know, I went to all of that saying that listen. Which verse? 13. 13. Okay. That let's not focus our minds on earthly things. And if you're a pastor, don't focus the minds of the people of God on earthly things. So therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely. That's what I was trying to emphasize. Completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former laws which were yours in your ignorance. So don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You did not know any better then. That's New Living Translation. He said, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And I said in verse 17. I'm reading the American Standard now. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. But you were redeemed with precious blood, verse 19, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. So, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. That's verse 22. Fervently love one another from the heart. Please, can I just Read that again. God says you should do what? I'll say something about that in a moment. He said, this is a sign of faith that you fervently love, not lovable. What did he say? Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living an enduring word of God. I said we'll stop reading verse 23. Just a small one on the issue of love. They said that um, John, as an old man, John, the beloved, they said if he comes to church those days, maybe he's not, if he's not ministering, Elder John is in the house. Okay, all right. <laughs> what happened to Elder John? here. He's not that old. This one is a young guy. But that was an, a real elder John, very old at that time. And said, Does he have any word for the brethren? They say he used to have only one thing to say: love one another. So that's the only thing he used to say. That in fact they said at the point that they were tired, they knew what he would say. So that there's no need to call him to speak. <laughs> Somebody say it for him. Brethren, let us want that love one another. That John greets you. That is like there's no point because if you give him the microphone now, the only thing he will say is you must love one another. You know the truth? That was one commandment Jesus gave when he was living. With that one, he, I won't say canceled, not canceled. He, what's the past tense of override? Overrode. Overreading. That is the past participle. What is the past Perfect tense. What is a past imperative perfect tense? <laughs> <laughs> Must language be that hard? Anyway, is it with that, all right, He hope, look, whether it's right or wrong, just accept it for today. He overrode. Uh, overrode and over, okay, let's say he overrode. No, no, not overrode. It's just that he went above all the other commandments. It's just a simple one. Love, one another, the way I have loved you. You should study how to love people. Maybe one day we should do a Bible study on it. How to love. Because there is a, there is a how. There is a how to love him. I hope you know that loving is not emotional. It's not, it's not every time, every time, every time I just see Brother Dominic. I just love him. Oh, I just love him, Brother Dominic. I love him. Come, give me a hug. I, nonsense. That is... That is for his wife to do. <laughs> and if any sister is loving you like that, I want her seriously. <laughs> Say, I'm not yet ready for this kind of love. Leave me. The Lord is good. <laughs> the guy is, is not married yet. For those who are not, you don't know who we are talking about. so one young guy here, smiling the camera. Not the one standing there. That one, that one is near. That one don't need look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dominic is younger, younger than him. I assume you are younger than him. And because, just to be sure, because some of these baby face boys, you never can. It may be over there. The Lord is good. So there's a how-to. It is not an emotional thing, all right? They ask Jesus Christ, "Love your neighbor as yourself." They say, "Who's my neighbor?" He described how a man loved another. They just had compassion on him, and he took the necessary actions to solve the problem he was in. All right. There is praying sincerely for one another from the heart. You find somebody who is doing something that is wrong, you pray for him. So that the judgment for the wrongdoing does not come. And arrange reign to have him corrected. I hope you're getting my point. There are little, little tips on how to. Just wanted to drop that. But the main thing we are talking about today is the other line, verse 21. It says, who through him are believers in God? He said, through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. For some time I've been trying to get to this point. I'm happy we got there today. And that's the issue of resurrection. Now let me do a small review of things we've been talking about. For some time we've been talking about the faith foundations for the Christian walk. They will now begin to speak about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we said the knowledge of these things builds faith in our hearts naturally. Faith is not something you just close your eyes and say, mm, I want to believe. No. It's something that arises as God fills your heart with revelation knowledge. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, It just it grows. It grows. you know, It just grows as your heart is constantly filled with revelation knowledge. And in the realm of the spirit, knowledge we have emphasized again and again, please don't forget it. Knowledge is not just intellectual acquaintance with facts that, yes, I'm aware. That's not just what, that's not what knowledge just is. Knowledge is far beyond that. Knowledge, you know, like now, if I want to be able to carry um, weight, all right, if I want to get stronger, I go to the gym, you know, I get my dumbbells, I do stuff, do bench presses, do squats, and do all of that until my muscles are toned and they are strong, Okay? If I want to be, maybe a martial arts fighter, I have to go for practice again and again until my reflexes are well honed and, you know, tuned and my muscles are well toned. I do all of that. Okay. Now, it gives me natural strength. It gives me natural, you know, um, abilities when it comes to physical combat. However, in spiritual things, your spiritual muscle is knowledge. Your spiritual muscle is the knowledge that you have become convinced of. Your spiritual muscle is what is called in the Greek epignosis. Things that you know like you know like you know. And you are not mistaken in any way. So if you want to build your strength spiritually, okay, what you do is acquire knowledge. Now, knowledge comes in different ways. There's a simple initial, you know, just imbibing of letters of, you know, things that you can just read. But then they need to be drilled into you. And many times what God uses to drill those things into you is experience. I hope you're getting my point. It is not the experience that is God's issue, but the thing that it will teach. The things that it will teach. So Abraham will call upon the name of the Lord. Why? Because he saw God deliver him. God will deliver Abraham that he will learn certain truths about who God is. I hope you're getting my point. Now, you know, we've talked about this again and again. Abraham... Did not God didn't expect Abraham, call Abraham today, give him Isaac tomorrow, then sacrifice Isaac after five years. No. God took Abraham, he began to talk to him and allowed the words that he gave to Abraham to cook, to incubate, to become real in the life of Abraham. Twenty five years after he called him out of his settled in life, he gave him Isaac. Not because God needs 25 years to produce Isaac. He could have done that overnight. But he needed Abraham to be built to a place where his faith could receive Isaac. And very importantly, the faith of Sarah had to be built at the same time to receive Isaac. But that's not where God was going. That's the initial thing. And I want you to bear it in mind. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, was not the main thing, all right? The virgin birth is not a hard thing, really, for God to do, all right? You'll see as we go on. There was something else going on further down, which was the resurrection. We'll talk about that. That's where we're going. That's the main thing, actually, for today. Just talk about Abraham briefly. Where God really was going with Abraham was that Abraham would get to a point where he would willingly, by faith, sacrifice Isaac. And God trained him for another 30 something years, at least 35 years. Added to 25 years, more than 60. If I go by the Jewish rabbi's tradition to be 62 years. That God trained this man until he, listen to this, oh, until he knew God so well, he could, on the instruction of God, with a previous promise, he could be willing to sacrifice his only son, whom he loves, Isaac, and burn him up, burn him up as a bond offering. Please, you don't get it. He was not supposed to sacrifice Isaac and when Jesus Christ will walk in after four days and say, Isaac, come forth. No. He was supposed to sacrifice Isaac and burn the wood on which Isaac was lying down until Isaac would have turned to ashes. So that even if Jesus Christ came, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know where to find him. You know, when Jesus came to raise that, what was the first thing he asked? Where did you lay him? To so, like, say, Where did you lay Isaac? Say, which one? Do you get my point? Yes, that that was the aim. Yet Abraham had developed to a point; he knew God so much, he knew that wouldn't be a problem. You're like, ha, how? Let me just put it like this: You wouldn't know how until you go through the same years of training, communicating with the Lord, giving you deliverances that nobody thought was possible. Rejuvenating the body of a 90 year old woman, taking care of Ishmael for you in the wilderness. They say, there, there are things God will have done in your life. That anything they say about Him, you believe. Like I say, you know, I say humorously. And we say the virgin birth is not possible. I said, see, to me that's not hard. If you can raise Lazarus from the dead, hmm? and you say you were pollinated, anther and stigma. And that's where you came from. I said, I will believe you. So all this one you are telling me is not possible. Let me, I don't have time for that argument. Did he raise Lazarus or he did not? If he did, anything is possible. You are getting what I'm saying? If he did, anything is possible. You can't come and tell me this one. Look, anything is possible. There's a way God worked with Abraham until Abraham knew God so much. If God had said to him, what well, if you killing Isaac, you stab yourself in the heart, the guy would have done it. He would have done it. I'm talking about knowledge. How faith? So two things. One, you, you imbibe the words, you imbibe the letters. Then God, by his spirit, opens revelation from those things for you. And many times he passes you through experiences to drill them in. When he has drilled them in, James said you'll be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. That's what knowledge does. And so that's why we'll be going over this again and again. Now we're talking about the grace of the Lord Jesus. What exactly did God do in Christ Jesus for us? We've been talking about that. We've talked about identification. We've talked about substitution. How we deserved death, but He died in our place. How we deserved life, but He gave us a life in His place. So anytime you are seeing, God is looking and He sees Jesus on the cross, He doesn't need really to see Jesus. On the cross, this is you having been punished for your sins. When Jesus rose from the dead, and that's what we're talking about today. Now, I'm happy we finally got there—the resurrection. When God raised Jesus from the dead, in fact, let me just start now. What is resurrection? <laughs> what is resurrection? You know what it means. Simply, somebody died, and then he got up again. But Jesus was called the firstborn out of the dead. What happened to Lazarus? That he raised from the dead. What happened to the son of the widow, Nine? What about those ones that uh, Elijah and Elisha did? Don't they count? Now, please, follow what I want to say. There are different kinds of resurrection. You raised Lazarus from the dead. You know what happened after like another 40, 50 years? He died again. again. The son of the widow of nine. Maybe he was in his teens, or early 20s. And God was very merciful to him. He lived to be 120 years old. Which means 100 years after, what happened to him? He died again. again. The... Is it the Shunammite woman? Yes. You know what happened to the son? After he became old, he died again. Look everybody, no matter what, will die again. All those people that were raised from the dead. But in the case of Jesus Christ, when he was raised from the dead, is a totally different ballgame. And that's what we're talking about. First, when he was raised from the dead, he was not raised from the dead with the same old body, flesh and blood. He showed his disciples clearly that now he operates by what he called flesh and bones. He said that clearly. There was no blood anymore. It's a different body. It's a resurrection body which nobody else had before him. The just it was like they just woke up, as if they fell asleep. Nobody woke them up. That's all that happened. Even Lazarus that was in the advanced stages of decomposition is still the same thing. That's all that God accomplished. But the case of Jesus Christ is a totally different thing. According to Paul, if you go and read that's first Corinthians chapter 15, it was sown, you know. A natural body. But when it came out, it was a spiritual body. All of that ones before that went down natural, came back what? Natural. In the case of Jesus, is a different thing we are talking about here. He has a body now that operates a different frequency. Okay, But let's not sit on that body yet. Let's just talk about that raising from the dead. You know what I was thinking about it? Now first, let me say this. What is the implication of the fact that Jesus rose up from the dead? First, I want to emphasize, all right, that after reading through the scriptures, I found out it is about the most important thing about the New Testament. Let me say that again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is about the most important thing about Christianity. Interestingly enough, it's not the virgin birth. Interesting enough, now, this is surprise. It's not the death on the cross. Now, the death on the cross, you know, is very crucial because without the death, there will have no resurrection anyway. Except that without the resurrection, the death was useless. In fact, you know what it means? If there was no resurrection, the death failed. The death was not satisfactory. He did not pay fully. Behold the Lamb of God that wanted to take away the sins of the whole world but could not carry it. It was too heavy. I hope you're getting my point. That would have been the implication if He did not rise up from the dead. I hope you're getting my point. The resurrection is so important that if you don't believe it, you're not born again. You're not saved. It's given as a crucial criterion. For your salvation. You must believe that God raised him from the dead. That's what Paul explained to us. And even where we read just now. In this first Peter. You see that in verse 21. He said through Christ you have come to trust in God. And have placed your faith and hope in God. Because he raised Christ from the dead. I hope you are following my point. Let me tell you how important it is. In fact, maybe we should, we should go there. Acts chapter 1. After the death of Jesus Christ and his ascension to heaven, resurrection and ascension to heaven, of course, you know the story. They had to find a replacement for Judas because they were supposed to be 12. And Judas had failed, and he was gone. And Peter rose up and explained to the brethren, About 120 of them gathered and said that the Bible says his place, another must take. His office, somebody else must occupy. Now, verse 21, he said, therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become what? Read it out loud. A witness of his resurrection. Thank you. They were not called to be a witness of, his mirac- of the miracles he walked. They were not called to be a witness of where he grew up. They were not called to be a witness of how he lived his life. They were called to be a witness of one thing, which was what? his resurrection. That is so core to the gospel that every other thing pales in comparison with it. So that to choose a replacement for Judas, would this guy be able to testify concerning the resurrection? That's all. So if the fellow didn't see Jesus Christ after he rose again from the dead, he was disqualified. Do you know even Paul Paul had to be a witness of resurrection for him to be able to fulfill this assignment he fulfilled. Jesus did not allow Paul to just hear testimonies of what happened. He came and lived the life out again in front of Paul. So that Paul will tell you, what I received of the Lord, that's what I'm giving you. On the night he was betrayed, he then tells you what happened on that communion table. And then Jesus, how did Paul get converted? Did you see anybody try to persuade him? Jesus showed himself to Paul as really having been raised from the dead. And he was convinced. That was all. Christianity is centered around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You no, know, I was not thinking about it. What's so special about it? Now, I'm going to read the Bible. Everybody that died and was raised again from the dead. Somebody had to do it. Almost everybody. There's only one person I'm doubting his own case. That's um, Jonah. We don't know who did it. An angel probably came and slapped him. Maybe people don't believe he died. So, the Bible didn't say clearly to us that he died. So, let's leave that out. All right? So, let's leave Jonah out. Now, correct me if you think I'm wrong afterwards. But I found out Reading through the scriptures and meditating upon it. Now, first, you see where I got my idea from. You see, every time Paul would talk about Jesus, every time Peter would talk about Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they kept on emphasizing one thing who raised him up? Go and check it. Lazarus, who raised him up? Jesus Christ. Son of Nine son of the widow of nine. Who raised him up? Jesus Christ. The son of the Shunammite woman. Was that um, Elisha. Elijah did his own. You see, those stories are there. But in the case of Jesus Christ, you will see one thing that kept on coming up again and again. If you go and read Acts chapter 2, Peter was speaking. He said, God raised him up again. If you further down, he said, then, he said, this Jesus, God raised up again. Later on, in Acts chapter 10, you see, he said, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. Paul, again, when he was speaking in the synagogue in um, Antioch, that's Pisidian Antioch, he said it again, that he raised up Jesus. He emphasized the fact that he raised him up from the dead. You can keep on going through scriptures. He said he was shown to be the son of God by being raised up from the dead. This time, Mariah was talking about the fact that God raised him up from the dead. You continue reading and reading. You will see again and again that the emphasis was laid on the fact that God raised him from the dead. Ephesians, we were going to read that earlier, but I didn't get to it. He said that, talking about the walking of his power. He said, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Peter said the same thing. He spoke about the fact that God, in 1 Peter chapter 1, and around verse 21 that we just read, alright? He said, God raised him from the dead and gave him glory. You see through the scriptures again and again, they kept on emphasizing the fact that God raised him from the dead. You no, know, it didn't hit me until not too long ago. I just said, no, wait, wait, wait. I've been reading it just, it rose, oh no, it's by, by the power of God, by the power of God. No. You know what I think? God didn't go around, the Father, didn't go around doing many things. No. Most of the things he did, he left Jesus Christ to do. Creation. In all that discussion between Moses and God said, it was Jesus talking to Moses. All right? I even believe. But perhaps by him, all things were made. But who is that? Jesus. When he used to come to the garden, he heard that God came to the garden in the cool of the day and came to speak with um, Adam. I don't have any shadow of doubt in my mind. It's, the, it's he that came as the Lord Jesus Christ that used to come also into the garden and come and talk with him. You've heard me teach about that before, that Adam was formed in the image of the Jesus to come. Because the Father in heaven <laughs> he said God is spirit. I'll be getting my point. So if you make him in the likeness of God, ah, who has eye in front? He is on two sides. If you go and read the, <laughs> the beings in heaven, in fact, you can't describe what the Father himself looks like. There's no point trying. Do you get my point? So the Father himself really didn't go around doing many things. But after the son was sacrificed, He came, entered the tomb himself. That was why they kept on emphasizing God raised him from the dead. You know, the way Jesus called Lazarus back to life, the father himself had to call the Lord Jesus back to life. He had never done anything like that. Never. Never. you, You don't get it? Never. That was why this man kept on shouting it. God raised him from the dead. They didn't just say he rose up again. You know, I told you the other day, some of these principles, alright, they are out there. If you know, you know, I keep on saying these things that if you know physics, you can know how to join wires. You can know which wire to touch, which wire not to touch. Some people in Portaco, they, they did not know which wire not to touch. They went to hang church billboard. You heard what happened? In fact, they must have told you when you got to Port Accord, it must have been the gist in town. They went and hung billboard around high tension. So he killed five of them. Is it four or five of them and killed, there were nine people total? He killed five and injured four. I don't know whether they are still alive in hospital. He didn't know what to touch and what not to touch. You study physics, you know what to touch and what not to touch. You study chemistry, you know which things to mix and what not to mix. If you mix some things, you will hear guza. When you open your eyes, you'll now be wondering, where exactly am I? You know, I didn't know people would die get confused too. <laughs> They're like, Zali, where, where am I? What's going on here? <laughs> he said, "Bro, supply said you don't die. Are you serious about that? <laughs> now, where am I going with all of these things? So, you know, we learn physical things. But the deeper you learn... Now, you know I read a bit of physics and advances in physics. The deeper you learn, the more you realize that spiritual things are not actually as mystical as will make it look. It's just keep studying. Eventually, you will cross the boundary until the things you are learning will appear spooky to natural people. Physics has entered that, that boundary. They so entered into it, or so hit that boundary, that when Albert Einstein, one of the most intelligent men that ever lived, at least in the realm of physical sciences, the man was so intelligent, most of his theories were the, the, what they called thought experiments. He didn't used to go to the laboratory. People don't know that. Albert Einstein just used to think. He would just sit down and imagine something. And while imagining it, he would start writing complex laws and equations. Some of them that will be proven 50 years later to be correct. Very intelligent. Yet when they gave him the laws of quantum mechanics, he said, you are telling me things like this happen. He said, this is a spooky action from a distance. Spooky means that he was saying that this is spiritual. What they call quantum entanglement. The man said, this is, you are telling me that something can communicate Faster than the speed of light. He said that has to be spiritual. So he never accepted because the laws of physical physics that he knew, the normal physics, let me use that one, didn't fit. But I always like to bring that one up to let you know that if you start, if you just continue, mankind continue, they will start discovering more and more of these things. So those who have meditated just the same way as Albert Einstein used to do thought experiments. But they did their own meditations in temples and all of that. They realized that being raised from the dead is a key to redemption for mankind. So I found out that, of course, that's the one I read. There must be many, many other ones that, is not, that are not documented. That Buddhists had the, their sects, their, their aim was to die and be raised from the dead. Some of them, they said they will sit down and starve to death sitting down. It's a long process. Years of meditating and all of that. Eventually, they go into that terminal process, sit down, meditate, until it is believed that they've just died sitting down. You know the aim? Hoping to rise again and come and redeem mankind. the most dramatic one I read of, that one actually entered into his grave and asked to be shot inside. Years later, I don't know how many decades or hundreds of years later, they opened it. You know what? He's still dead. All of them that went through that, all of them died. Some of them were believed to have taken poisonous brews from certain trees to kill them fast. The aim, to get up again from the dead. And you know what? Not one of them rose again from the dead. All of them, according to the scriptures, saw corruption. Their bodies decayed. But when I read this story, not too long ago, I, you know, it's, it hits me that I've been saying these things, that these spiritual things, they are laws in the air. There's also study, of course, that was incomplete study, what they should have done, because they were not the only ones that studied it. Because I hope you know Buddhism as a religion is older than Christianity. I hope you're aware of that. Which means Hinduism is much older too. Because Hinduism was there before Buddhism came, essentially out of it, because the Buddha man was a Hindu. That rejected the ways of Hinduism because he felt certain things were not in order. Alright? So people had been meditating and seeing things. Now, if they are studied well, that's why, that's why don't miss class. What did I say? Whatever you are studying, study it well. Not the miss class. It's like, you know, like Bible study. Some people will come late. They want to have a text. You don't know what you said before they came. They want to be talking. When the person talking, they say, "Hey, bros, see? Before you came, we had gone over that one." If you're in school, a law student, go for every law class. Before you go and be filing useless <laughs> petitions at tribunals and, you know, high courts. <laughs> because when they were teaching law of thought, it didn't come. But you learnt law of, is it land law and all of that? You forgot the thoughting part of the law. I hope I'm not, where's that baby lawyer? <laughs> Some people they didn't learn, they didn't go to class well. If they had gone to class well, they would have known that they were not qualified. They will know the principle is there, but that you are not qualified to die and rise again from the dead for the redemption of mankind. Why? I need redemption myself. But those who went to class well, they were also possibly Hindus or Buddhists, whatever it is. They went to class well, and they were doing their astrology well, and they were studying the stars well, and then one day, Revelation was given to them that a star will arise one day. You will follow the star. So, wise men from the east, they saw the star of Jesus in Jerusalem, hanging somewhere, and they followed the star all the way to Bethlehem. You remember the story? They, they, they went for all their classes. They knew that they couldn't die for mankind. So, they began to look forward to the Savior that would die for mankind. And when they came, they said, we have come to worship him. If you believe the account of Sadhu Salvaraj, the men came from India. I said, if you believe the account of Sado Salvaraj, that they actually came back years later. 30 something years later, one, I don't know how many of them, came back to come and look for the Jesus. And that when he met Jesus, he worshipped him again. And Jesus gave him the power, like he gave to his disciples. He said, behold, I give unto you power. You understand? And he told them to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and all of that. You know, remember that story in Luke chapter, is it? 10? Yeah. Is he see, also give that man power. And as the man was living, he was also doing mighty works like the other disciples. And then Peter and Co saw him and went and reported to Jesus. And said, we saw one man cast the demons and he's not amongst us. Sadhu said, that was one of those men that came from the, now, that's not Bible, it's his own story. Is it true? Well, let me say, I like the story. It's a nice theory. But these are people, at least we have this one in scriptures, men who studied well. They were not Jews, but they were spiritual people. And when they studied the advanced laws of life, they knew that mankind needed a savior. And they also understood, I believe, that the savior will come and die and rise again from the dead. Why do I say that? Because I've seen other people, Buddhists who were doing it, who believed it. But they did not finish their lectures well. So they did not know they were not qualified. So as each one died, their unholy bodies saw corruption. The Bible says you will not let your holy ones do what? See corruption. None of them was holy enough. They thought they could achieve that holiness by meditation and all of that. But they died, they saw corruption. But in the case of Jesus, this is what the Bible says. Let's open to the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter one. See what am I emphasizing? Resurrection is central to Christianity. Anyone who does not believe in resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, that means he doesn't believe in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Paul said, "Is of all men what most miserable? Most miserable. No matter the righteous." And holy life, the individual tries to live on this earth, is going to come to nothing. It's going to come to nothing. The most important thing that God ever did in this our existence, if you don't believe in it, you are not worthy to be called a child of God. Having studied through the scriptures, I found that this is the most, this is the singular most important thing that he ever did. I believe one way or the other, he walked into the tomb himself. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. This one, the father said, My son, arise. To make the mountains, he allowed Jesus to do that. To discuss with Moses, Jesus and the angels, they handled Moses and co. And you can see that if you read Hebrews chapter 1. All right? So this law was delivered through the agency of angels. The son took over everything when he came. Except that one day, the son died. And Satan did not understand That the father would move. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He has never seen it happen. That was one thing he did not factor in. So that when Jesus died, they felt good. It's done. It is done. Now we have won. The Bible says if they had known, they would not have touched the king, the Lord of Glory. They would not have touched him. But one thing they didn't factor in, Was that, you know, there are things you do. The Father will change position. I'll like this. God in heaven will change position. Abraham sacrificed his son. And you start hearing him change position. You get up and start swearing. I hope you're getting my point. Stephen was being stoned. Jesus changed position. Was not seated at the right hand. Stephen saw him what? Standing. Standing at the... Change changed position. Coming down to the earth is not one thing the father does. I believe he never used to do. The son can handle all of those things. The angels can handle all of those things. So Satan had never, it hadn't crossed his mind. He had never seen it anyway. So such a thought couldn't enter. So when he got the son, he thought. When he managed, he must understand something. Hey, spiritual school is interesting. If you go to classes regularly, spiritually, it's really interesting. Because you must understand that Jesus, um, Satan could not have taken Jesus and just muzzled him by force and killed him. He had to, Satan had to go, you know, that's one thing we don't understand about God the judge. He had to go with the hugest petitions. Why? Jesus was just blocking everything. Why am I block everything. I want to afflict this one. Satan will, uh, sorry, Satan wants to afflict, afflict this one. Jesus will go there and talk. Every petition that Jesus made before the Father, every sacrifice that was offered, which was a type of Jesus Christ, okay? That sacrifice was accepting the blame for everything. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So one day, Satan packed all the blames that the son had collected from the beginning, from the time of Adam, everything. He packed it and brought, you know, senior accuser of the universe. You know, you do have a senior advocate of Nigeria. Yeah, so, the senior what? Accuser. So, the senior accuser brought all the small, small, all those baby lawyers. Accusers, they came before the judgment throne. And they demanded payment. That payment has to be made for these sins. And the father was waiting. The judge was waiting. So, in fulfillment of what was legally required to administer justice to all these sins or for all these sins that have been committed. That's when the father decreed the son is going to the cross and he's going to die on the cross. But they came out of the court rejoicing. One thing they didn't factor in was that a time will come that the judge will say all these sins have been what? Paid. Okay, even if he says so, he's still dead. Because the father had never crossed that boundary to come. Satan did not factor it in. And then, after the father decided that everything has been paid. Now, hear what I'm saying. The father came down, in my opinion, for the first time ever. The way Jesus looked at the widow, the son of the widow of nine, and spoke to, touched the, this thing, and then they stopped and he told the young man to arise. The way he looked at Jairus's daughter, little girl, I say unto you, arise. The way he stood at the door of the tomb and called Lazarus back to life, who will call him back to life? The father himself came and stood there and said, son, arise. Satan said, what is going on here? Ah, uh, the father said, "That's one part of this thing you didn't know. The, I mean, have you ever watched Chinese films? You've learned everything. Then finally, it entered your head because master is old, or teacher, you know, head, great teacher. You now come back. Your name is uh, what's the name of that guy in the uh, Kung Fu Panda, or hmm? no? no. Oh, Tylon, thank you, Tylon, Tylon." Tai learned had learnt everything. What learned did not know that first time, if you will know the first time, was that what's the name they thought Ugwe He didn't know that Ugwe has certain things that Master Shifu did not know. As he charged, Ugwe just touched touching the palm, the guy was frozen. Touch, 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 the guy was frozen. I said, Omo, these people are spiritual. You think you have learned everything, but they are setting points that the teacher didn't teach you. I, was, you know, I love Chinese people. Eee, I don't care whether they are fiction or whatever. I don't give a hoot. I just love the spirituality. I love the spirituality. One guy trained all these people, trained all the fight. Chua, 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 chua. but one day, they now turned against him. So, at the end of the day, oh, of course, he took them down one by one. Now told one, one, one girl, the one woman amongst them, and said, See, I taught you all the styles. I left one inside that one. So as you were using if I knew where you make the mistake. That's why I'm the boss. There are things that Satan does not know. Because the Bible if they had known, they didn't know too. They didn't know. That was one part of it that Satan didn't understand. That the father will. Dislodge himself, unsettle himself, come down to the earth, stand before that tomb, and speak the word of life back to the sun. So the sun will rise again from the dead. Say if they had known, they would never have come to court that day. They would never have touched the Lord of Glory. They would never have. I said we should read somewhere to prove the point I'm making. It's there. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What am I saying here? How did God say, this is my son? There are different times he spoke. On the earth, we heard it twice. This is my beloved son during baptism. Of course, the angel told us the first one. He said, that which will be born of you will be called what? The son of the Most High. So the angel said that to Mary. Then the day he came for baptism, the father sounded, they heard the clouds. This is my beloved son. Then went transfiguration, Peter and co. heard it. But when the father finally declared it, it was how? By the resurrection from the dead. When the father came and personally said, Israel is my son. Let my son go. The father came this time around himself and said, this is my son. Death, let him go. The Bible says he was shown to be the son of God. By the resurrection from the dead. Bear this I've said in mind. Next point about it. Is that once he rose again from the dead. That was the beginning of a new creation. Did you hear what I said? That was why he was called the firstborn out of the dead. That's the beginning. See, there is no Christianity without the teaching or knowledge of resurrection. Talk to a man one day, he said, devout Catholic. We're just talking, he says some things. Ah, I looked at him, I said, hey, oh boy. I said, wait, wait, wait. let's get this clear. Let's get it clear. Are you saying to me that you don't believe in the literal resurrection, literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? And he said to me, that the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ has nothing to do with my faith. And I said to him, "Then you don't believe in Christ." I found the exact words I used, but that's what I told him. I said, "Oh, then you don't believe in Christ. Then me and you are not of the same faith." Hear the word of the Spirit. It is a necessary qualification to be called a child of God, because it's God's greatest work. That's His greatest accomplishment. That was the beginning of a new creation. That was a sign that everything that Jesus did worked. The resurrection of the son is a sign that your sins have been forgiven. It's a sign that sins have been effectively paid for. If the sins had not been fully paid for, he would not have risen again from the dead. The father would have remained alienated from him. When he said, my my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That would have remained a perpetual situation. That it claims the demands of justice had been met. is why the father came and spoke to him and he came back to life. I hope you're getting my point. Paul said it: if Jesus did not rise again from the dead, then you are still in your sins. Every time you kneel down and confess your sins, it's a lie. Your sins shall find you out. All the ones you think you forgot, things that happened when you were young, hey, 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 they are waiting for you in front. The only reason, ah, of course, you are going to have fire. The only reason we are sure, the only reason you know that that will not be your situation is because Jesus rose again from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is a sign of God's forgiveness. I hope you're getting my point. The resurrection of Jesus is the reason why we have ho- the hope of eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus is why we don't live for temporal fulfillment. It's why we don't live as if everything we are living for ends on this earth. The resurrection of Jesus is the reason why we can live some things to th- life after. It's the reason why an Abraham can live oh, and go into the wilderness and move around knowing that there is a city whose architect and builder is God. That's the sign. See, except that happened, all the promises made will have failed. It will be that they have all failed. Architects and builder, of what of nothing? Abraham will have labored in vain. Isaac will have suffered in vain. And in fact, Jesus will have laid down divinity for nothing. But that He rose again from the dead is false the sign that we have eternal life, that he rose again from the dead, is the reason why we start saying to Christians that they don't die, but they sleep. I hope you're getting my point. Paul said, why do you say they sleep? He said, look, the body they have now is mortal. It's a seed. It's planted. It will be raised up, what? An immortal body. It will be raised up, a body that cannot die again. One of the greatest things the father had to deal with was death. Did you hear what I said? That's one of the greatest. In fact, it's like the poison. How do I describe it now? The worst thing that the universe ever, ever saw is death. If you have to meditate on death, eh, it's a long story. I don't, I don't think I know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I know half of it. Oh, wait, did I say half? Very arrogant. I don't think I know more than a fraction of the meaning of the word death. Yes. You know, it bothered God so much that when death was finally conquered, there was rejoicing over it. Oh death, where is your sting? I hope you're getting my point. Death is not just that somebody passed away. Okay, was on this earth is not here anymore. Death is far worse than that. Death affects spiritual things. It does. Death affects the relationship of God with his creation. It affects, you know, it affects the relationship of God with the angels. Worst of all, it crept into the relationship of the father and the son. Yes, it did. It it, it did. It it did. Because that's why the son came to take away. Did you get my point? Why did he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you know the story of eternal death, I hope you're getting my point. You will know that this one that would cry because a human being, in quotes now, died. Eh? You know it's nothing. I hope you get my point. You know the, the, how gut-wrenching it is when your loved one passes away. Imagine that that feeling persists in your heart for a billion years. That's how eternal things are. Just imagine. It's it's not funny. You see, I hope you know the father has emotions. Yeah, he feels things, makes him feel bad. He's happy. Abraham did what he did, he was excited. Adam did what he did, felt bad. Human beings on the misbehaving. He felt bad about it. One man said, one of the things that marked out Samuel, and please, all of us, you should ask God for it. Eh? Eh, we should ask God for it. Just realize something right? if God gives it to you. And just say, God, God small, small measure. Yeah. He says, Samuel used to feel the pain of God. Yeah, that's what the man explained. He said, when God told Samuel, I feel very bad. He said, Lord, what happened? Saul, who I made king, doesn't listen to me. Samuel could not sleep. Samuel could not sleep. The, the heart in the heart of God transferred into Samuel. He couldn't sleep. What I'm going to say is that, listen, this death that we feel, God feels it too. The pain of death. And what we feel on the earth is just a fraction. It's just a fraction of it. So God had to end death permanently. One of the reasons Jesus Christ came, look, let me tell you something here. If Jesus didn't come, if anybody dies on this earth, you won't see the person again (laughs) eternally. be separated by one gulf of darkness, something. Where am I going? For God to end the sting of death, Jesus had to come. And what is the resurrection? The resurrection is a sign. That the stink of death is gone. I hope you're getting my point. Now this is sound like church talk, but you know it's fact. As a matter of fact, every loved one that you have lost in Christ Jesus, you didn't lose anything. They just traveled. Now let me ask you. Now these days of phone, the phone not even You know who travel, who not travel. I hope you're getting my point. You are as close to the person in Oka as the one in America. Thanks to WhatsApp. There were days when to make international call, It's a national expenditure. But now it's virtually free. Come and get free Wi-Fi. The other fellow has free Wi-Fi. You are looking at each other now. But just think about those days before these things began to happen. Just think about those days. You remember that you can miss somebody who travel I mean, somebody's traveling abroad. Okay? The person will probably write to you a letter after he gets there. Letter will get to you after like one month. Then you know, said two months. <laughs> Those to jackpa was hard. Though. You know why? One of my old guys said he spent all his salary buying postage stamp. This is to apply for anything. What do you do? Just log on to their website, enter, upload picture, just like smile for, like for the webcam like this, and click, ma'am. Is that your exact rep, um, representation? Click, bam. Yes. It has uploaded. You went to school, yes. Where? You them, certificate, you scan it, Zoom. Those days, hey, you go buy postage stamps, stamp them, stamp them, stamp them. You go leak stamp them, eh? your mouth go dry. <laughs> so one of our guys said, Cut! that he spent all his money trying to go abroad, buying postage stamps i like to digress what's in a while. Please, if you want to go abroad, after three, four years, you don't try. After five years, stop trying. What did I say? I think that people that <coughs> have two guys in mind, 30 years, you're still trying. Are you okay? <laughs> I was telling my wife last night about one guy. I described that. I thought the guy went away like 30 years ago, and I saw him recently. Nenugu. I said, what? Ah, when did you come back? He said, like, when he's around. Ah. So I asked his friend, your guy is around. He said, ah, he's been trying to go for 30 years. I said, what? Then he should stop trying now. He said, no, he will never stop trying. Now. Let me know. Please, I want to beg, if you are like that guy, stop trying. What am I saying? Plant where you are. Let God bless you. If you have been working hard and praying for 30 years, if you don't reach somewhere, I all of this just to bring out my what's my gist. So, ima- a resurrection. So, let me ask you. Imagine it's those days. Somebody now travels abroad. You don't get a letter for the first two months. Then you reply. And then the person replies you after another three months. Now, do you miss the person? No, no. no. There's no catch. Do you miss the person? But Do you, do you cry? Hey, hey, why are you cry? <laughs> I don't know why he left me. <laughs> do you do that? What I, you hope. That's the word. You keep hoping. Maybe he'll come home for December. If he doesn't come home in December, you write again. What happened? Sometimes it's even a wife that's waiting for the husband. And she remains married to this guy that... In fact, I know one lady in this town. Another thing, if you want to go abroad, go, legal, go legally. What did I say? go legally. Don't be a fool. hiding from police. You know, people just be doing something as if Satan succeeded in their matter. They give you a visiting visa. Hmm? Tourist visa to come to a country. It expired. You did not go back board the plane to come back home. You are a fool. Your head is absolutely out of order. God is angry with you. You should have too much faith in God and too much pride in who God has made you to be to be dodging around with the expired visa. What is wrong with your head? What is wrong with you? They say you can stay for three months. Three months has expired. They didn't extend it for you. Board the plane and go home. And if you are watching me from there, it's you I'm talking to? Go home. I don't know how people have so little dignity for themselves, and they claim to believe in God. What is it? I remember the first time I went to American office, When I was talking to the visa officer, I tell the story once in a while. That's the longest I've talked with anybody at the embassy, American embassy. So the other ones are gone, just like pakpak go bye bye, you know. So one when we, me and the woman talked, because it was my first time of coming to their country, that's when I told the story that my, my account had no money. And she was looking like, this guy, okay. I had less than $1,000 of that time. And I told her, simply, there's money in your account. I said, I've spent it. That was what I told her. I've spent it. No money. You asked me whether it's a salary account. I said, yes. Say, I've spent the money now. That's what I told the woman. flat. I didn't even mean what it was about. It. I didn't. The worst you will do is what? You won't grant me the visa. And then my wife will grant grants me welcome when I come back home. So what is all of this one we I say? Where I'm going is that? When she and I were talking, I was just looking at her like this. I said, no, seriously. I said, what else do you want? She said, what do you have to offer? So I said, okay, no problem. Do you want to see my marriage certificate? She said, that I should forget that one. That do you know how many Nigerians abandon their wives and children to go and hide in America? That's how, what she said. So she was not interested in my marriage certificate or pictures of my wife and my children. She wasn't interested. She said, you guys do it all the time. You just abandon everybody. So I said to her then, I'm sorry. I have nothing else to offer you. Next she told me that, okay, pick your visa on Tuesday. I said, lah, I come from Mexico. Tuesday is hard. He said, okay, give me the number. You know, Feel somebody will pick it up for you. So I have filled a form my brother in there to help me pick it up. All right, one of our brothers. Where I'm going is I just I, when she said it like I said, my mind. You will give me a visiting visa, I'm going for a course, and it expire, I will leave this my wife. That time it was um Akinlu, Benga, and Omena. Victory had not been born. And I will leave these people and not see them for six months. For one year, and I won't know when. And I'm looking like I feel like telling the the, the visa officer, the woman, madam, if you know the kind of person I'm talking, think you are talking to, it can't happen. That is, there is no chance in a hundred trillion that will happen. I said, look, I thought as I when we were talking, if we, just as like she said, they are, they are not allowed to have personal communication. I said that I have, the day I arrive back, I'll call to say. Oh, auntie, I don't come back. Nothing way now they do for, there's no heaven. It's not heaven. You're not even ashamed of yourself. They give you a visa, you're you are, you are hiding from police. You can't get a decent job. Your certificate counts for nothing because you don't have a valid reason to be there. And you don't have enough pride to board the next plane and say, God, if you want to bless me, bless me. If you don't want to bless me, keep it. You know, I, I told God that at the time. When I saw the people we were doing they were going to kill themselves because of money. I said, God, let's get this thing clear. You yeah, are my father, Abiy. <laughs> if you want to bless me, go ahead and do it. I've asked you for it. If you don't want to bless me, then don't worry about it. Oh. The only thing I told him is, please, just don't give me a wife. Because, you see, hunger, hunger by yourself. You know, like <laughs> It's very manageable. I mean, the, the, the JK I may not have eaten this money. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Alone, he, he came for Bible study. Alone, he, he will go back. Nobody knows what he's going to. <laughs> Nobody's calling him that. Honey, when you're coming back, bring bread. Nobody is calling. <laughs> That's what I told the Lord. So I don't, I, that is for me. Tell the people, I'm going home. Why? My visa is expiring next week. Don't even let it expire, you know, when you are in the air. You just just mind to board the plane two hours before immigration starts (coughs) questioning you. No, that's right. Tell everybody I'm going home. I hope you know God is not an American. Oh, he's not. He's not a European. The same God is rich unto all that call upon him. The Bible says there's no difference. Just not add that word for people. Don't. If they give you a visiting visa, I give you the instruction of God: visit and get out. And you have, no, you know, you know what I found out? You have some dignity like that. I don't travel much, but there's number of times now I've had to renew my American visa. There's never a time I've been in Italy for more than a minute. Okay, maybe in my mind it's a minute, maybe two minutes maximum. That first time was the first time we they speaking English, exchanging paper up and down. I was a very young guy at that time. Exchanging paper up and down. Since that time, what, what what's just, guy yeah, just look, okay? Alright. All I, right. what else you want to go to the U.S., what do you want to go and do? He's not even looking at you. Papa, papa, they'll give you a paper next. One day my wife went to the U.S. Embassy. So I would just, you know, she had taken time out to print bank statement State, and everything they there. She called me and said that the guy, didn't, that the guy just asked, that, are you planning to burn in America? And she looked like, what did you say? Said, Don't worry about it. Bye-bye. Said the interview didn't take, was it two minutes, you said? There was one I went in Lagos. There was the last one, no, the one before that. When I got up from my seat, when it was my turn, you will have thought I just walked out because the person that interviewed me was near the exit. The speed was as if I got up and walked out. I just stopped there, I was out. Why they don't look and say, this guy, don't go, don't come back. Don't go, don't go back. He's not going to, he's not trying to hide. What am I trying to say? Earn some respect for yourself. Don't, don't behaving like your father is not the God of heaven. Like I said, some of this you have to tell people. They give you business visa, you're telling everybody Bye-bye. <laughs> Listen to me. Eh? Let God, please. I know what I want to say. Let God respect you too. I hope you know God respects people. When I say in that context, when I say it's not respected of person, what it means is that any tribe of tongue or race, everybody is the same before Him. But individually, there's a way you walk with God. You are distinguished. Yes. Let God be able to say, No, my son won't take that. Oh, my son, he won't take that. No, my daughter, like nobody offer her that one. I shall accept. I tell my wife, I said, I asked her, you say park here? I said, I'm not parking here. I said, why? I said, they say no parking. He said, I won't spend more than a minute. I said, I hate saying sorry. Ah, he said, was me the other day. This, uh, what do you call them? This emotive guys. They put something in my tire. One of them jumped inside. You know, Bible said, the righteous are do what? Bold as a lion. When I asked the guy whether his head was correct. He said, oh God, come down. I said, calm down. Will you jump down from this motor? He said was me and he said that he said, I bet. No, We abused the life out of them.' The father said, Must it be like that? What is all of this? Said, they came down. Why won't you come down? Because I did nothing. He said he videoed it a bit red light. I said, Me. <laughs> oh yeah, let me see the video. Bring uh, he said, we walk with evidence. I said, very good. I'm happy you walk with evidence. Let me see the evidence. What one foolish phone like this? He used to video me from somewhere. I asked the like, do your eyes walk? No, I was very angry daddy. day. Why? Because I know I did not break their rule. They were just looking for who to catch. And my car looks like a rich man's car. So, catch that one. Maybe you go to say, sorry now, guys, let's talk. Talk with I don't bring out my phone. You know, the other day I told our attorney general, I said, nah, I'm going to be causing trouble all over town. <laughs> <But,
1: laughs>
0: now, where well, I'm just going with all of this is that, see. Eh? When my wife and I said, stop I said, no. I say, they put no package. I said, I don't. I can't be telling somebody sorry now, sorry, I didn't. Know. I said, no, 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 no. Let me go and park far. Let me go and pay somewhere to park. Then let's end respect for each other. That is it. So when you come, uh, sometimes you know these people, people go around traffic. I do that love lot. just come out. I wind down. What is it? So, guy just say, I want to greet you. Hey, greet me. That's it. Just leave that in there. Uh, and that day after I dropped you off, guys, I, I, they pushed you my motor. I just what is it? I, I just want to greet you. I just dashed the guy money. Ah yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that is a clear <laughs> road. I mean it don't know really for me. I, I can't imagine that I'll be somewhere now. Somebody is now coming to tell me that um did not put me inside a room. And <laughs> be telling me my visa expired three months ago. And they want to know what I'm still doing here. Look, I'll just say please send me to prison. I'm a sinner. No, honestly. Because there's nothing what will you be saying? They will not say, you know, you not say you are a refugee. <laughs> Why? That headsmen invaded your village. You. That's from do. <laughs> headsmen <laughs> invaded your village. When well, a woman doesn't know better, now he's been reading the news. Heads me, heads me, heads me. So, you know, Somebody told me, one of my classmates told me that there's one guy in Bini. He said that this guy grew up in Bini. Never left Bini. Yet, he said he's, he fled, is it uh, Kaduna or Zaria? And the Islamists killed both of his parents. Meanwhile, this guy is sending money to those parents. <laughs> if you're a child, of God, try this nonsense. Eh? Go, let me, Baba God will be angry with you. In down there, you will now be you know claiming things that God said, Don't worry, as you have said, I will do too. She na refugee be your portion. No problem. God said, because you said we will flee. He said, He said, we, said we will run, say, therefore you will flee. He said, Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. He said, In returning and rest, you will be saved. He said, You want to run, then you will flee. Those who pursue you, they will be swift. Suddenly so you are a refugee. God says, that is your portion. And you think it's a joke. Ten years later, you are still sweeping in gutter. You are still jumping up and washing place. God will not give you any breakthrough. Say, you are a refugee. Say, one breakthrough. The money you have gathered is flight money in one direction. Go back home. Have some pride for goodness sake. I mean, you know, just have, you know, the Bible calls, how do I say it now? Just have trust in God. Let me put it that way. Just if I'm pleasing to me, you'll bless me anyway. You know, please, you know, we're discussing here yesterday. Dubai doesn't let Nigerians come since last year. Now they say ordinary Seychelles has banned Nigerians too. (laughs) Kazakhstan. Why Nagod is disgrace person like this? Not go just a disgrace person. Say Charles, we said I shouldn't come. And what is the reason? You know, Emeka was telling us yesterday it's the nonsense things that our people do. And you say yeah, you're a Christian, you're one of them. They would fear to give visa because if you give them two months visa now, that's twenty years running up and down. If you're a child of God, I command you to stop in Jesus' name. Amen. Everywhere you go, you go with respect. You go with dignity. I think I've spoken enough about that. Let's leave that. Some people don't learn sense now. Some people, God kept blessing for them somewhere. They ran away from it. One day, I saw one of my doctors. One day, he came and met me that uh, he wants to take uh, permission. He wants to take his mother. Okay, he traveled abroad. Five years later, he is it five, No, two years later, his brother came to the office. Uh, if he comes back, you will give him his job back. I <coughs> uh, Don't blame you for coughing, guy. <laughs> five years later, my friend called me from America. He said, somebody called him the other day. After that guy had been in the U.S. for six or seven years. He said, please, can you come and help a frustrated doctor in America? I said, huh? after six or seven years. The Lord is good. I, I will take reach that one. I know the resurrection is from the beginning. I'm saying that <laughs> what is the very thing I said <laughs> before I entered that. Anyway, let me just summarize everything. Don't what I have to say for today. I'm not let me not spoil it. One of the Holy Spirit has said, let's leave it like that. The point I'm making is that listen, what we go around preaching is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you go and read Paul's story in Acts chapter 17, you'll see it there. They say, this man, when he was talking with them, he says, He's "A proclaimer of strange things or strange deities." Why? He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, even among the Gentiles. Read your scriptures. Paul said, "I'm on trial." Acts chapter twenty-three for the hope, verse six, and resurrection of the dead. Or what am I saying? The core thing about Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read that one, and then we'll begin to round off. Ephesians chapter 1. Again, we'll read um, Philippians chapter 3. But let's just read Ephesians chapter 1 first. From verse 15, it says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, And your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Please notice that verse 19. He said, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I'll stop in that one there. Quickly, Philippians chapter 3. From verse 7. Before, In previous verses, Paul said, beware of the dogs. He was talking about the evil workers who preach fleshly circumcision as if following the laws of Judaism is how you would be pleasing to God. He said, beware of them. What they are trying to tell you to uh, come to, I was one myself. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, a persecutor of the church. And as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Now from verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Why am I doing all of this? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to what the direct prince calls the out-resurrection from the dead. All right? I will not explain what that is, but let me just focus on the resurrection of Christ Jesus. What was Paul saying? If you notice these two things, there's what is called the power that walks walks towards those who believe. And that's what he calls the power of his resurrection. There is a power that was released when Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. There is a power that was released when Jesus rose again from the dead. And you should aim to experience that power. The quest of your life must be to experience that power. Paul said, I wanted to experience it, so I forsook every other thing. Please, let's bear it in mind. You know, just to give us an illustration, I found out, and it's scripture, the power of God's resurrection, of Christ's resurrection. Nobody can change a man that's a human being. Only God can, through the power of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. He can make somebody who's morally corrupt bereft of any form of morality or, you know, human feeling and turn that person to the gentlest, you know, like the son of God. I hope you're getting my point. See, because of this, this resurrection power, God can take a hopeless case and turn it around. What am I talking about? My, my I just feel like talking about it. drug addiction. Drug addiction is hard to break. Hard. Oh, what have people not tried? Well, you want to know the truth? <laughs> the power of the resurrection. You know why drug addiction is hard to break? Let me just explain to you so that you know some more medicine and uh, you know psychology. And, you know, the part of the brain hmm? <laughs> the drug hooks on is totally changed. The drug corrupts it. Just cor- it, it corrupts it. Please tell young people, don't try. Don't even start. Don't experiment. That is an evil spirit. Just goes there, collects that part of the brain, sits there. So you, you go treat, treat, spend all kinds of money. Job leaves the person out for a while. That thing takes him over again. Sometimes doctors don't know what to do. There's both what you call physical ad- addiction and psychological addiction. One is physiologic, one is psychologic. What am I talking about it? The power of his resurrection. You know, time will not allow us. eh? But God said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? Let me give you the answer of the power of of his resurrection. The answer is yes, Lord. If the same spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes upon them, they will live. And what we invoke over our lives each time Is that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. As soon as the father did that, you know what he did? He left the spirit there. I hope you get my point. When he said, son, live again, that word has been reverberating through the universe. Anyone who believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ now, the word of God has been released. You know what that word says? Son, live again. That brain has been twisted by addictive power. Hear the word of the Lord. Brain, live again. That flesh has been corrupted by disease of all kinds. This is the word of his resurrection. Body, live again. So he said, if Christ dwells in you, he said, that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, will give life to your mortal body. You know why he's saying so? This body one day will be transformed. But until that time, it has to function. Let's bow our heads and give a lot of thanks. And I want you to claim the power of resurrection. It is available simply because you have believed in the resurrection of the son. Speak to your mind. Say, mind, live again. Body, live again. I don't care what they say. Your heart is weak. Say heart, hear the word of the Lord. Live again. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in me right now and is giving life to my mortal body. He said if Christ is in you, even though this body is subject to death because of sin, yet the spirit will give you life because of righteousness. Say heart, live again. Say, kidneys live again. Speak to every part of your body. Say, live again. Say, my eyes live again. If you have have had a stroke, say to the brain, say, live again. Live again. That That is the power of his resurrection. 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 I want somebody to speak to the the home. To your relationship. Your husband, wife. Say, live again. Live again. I speak to this marriage. Live again. By the power of the resurrection of Christ Jesus. That has been released. It's now our portion. Oh, give the Lord thanks this morning. Give the Lord thanks.
1: Is alive, amen, is alive, Jesus, forever, and is forever. Amen man is alive. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Oh, for one
0: more time, let's sing that song like